This is Gary Parrish from CBS Sports. Now Wednesday, December 16th, and this is the Eye on College Basketball Podcast. I'm joined by Matt Norlander and by Sam Bassini. And the big news, of course, is that late Tuesday night after a uh, win over Texas A&M Corpus Christi, Bo Ryan, the Hall of Fame caliber uh, coach at Wisconsin, uh, abruptly announced his retirement. Uh, Greg Gard is taking over on an interim basis. The timing um, as I wrote at CBSSports.com, is uh, obviously interesting and and undeniably tied to the fact that uh, Wisconsin Athletic Director Barry Alvarez was never uh, on board with what Bo Ryan wanted to happen upon retirement, which is Greg Gard just be his successor, automatic coach in waiting, similar to what Mike Hopkins is uh, to Jim Beheim at at Syracuse, to what uh, Tim Jankovic is at uh, at SMU to to Larry Brown to um, what isn't a terribly unique thing in, in, in college basketball. But Alvarez was never on board. So if Bo Ryan were, were ever to retire at a normal time, like after a season, then Bo, Barry Alvarez was determined uh, to just open up the uh, coaching search however he wanted, but not necessarily give it to, to Greg Gard. This move by Bo forces uh, Alvarez's hand a little bit. At the very least, he's got to let Guard coach this team for the rest of this season, which is what's going to happen. And I guess the hope uh, from Bo's perspective is that uh, Greg is able to prove worthy um, of of that chair, of that position. And so here we are. But it is uh, uh, fascinating, and it turned a, an otherwise uh, uneventful night in college basketball into a big uh, night in college basketball. Matt Norlander, where were you when you heard the news? Bo Ryan will never coach a college basketball game again. I'll be honest. I had closed up my laptop, was catching up on an episode of Homeland. My son was being plenty fussy. And then I get a text from Parrish, and it says, I'll take Bo Ryan. And I'm like, hmm, what does that mean, he'll take Bo Ryan? Did Wisconsin play tonight? What happened? So I bring up Twitter on my phone. I see about 40 tweets that Bo Ryan has announced he's retired, and I'm like, you've got to be kidding me right now. It's 11.45 at night, and Bo Ryan's just up and retiring right now. Uh, it, I won't soon forget it, because then I had to send in a video, because then you scrambled the Jets, obviously, uh, just a huge, huge headline, and um, we needed someone to send some sort of video component. Uh, and I, So my wife's trying to get some sleep upstairs, my kid is crying his head off. I will fully admit this was the first time that I was outright rattled and frustrated because I must have done <laughs> I must have done a dozen takes on on the phone trying to just recap this whole thing and set up the search and explain who Greg Gard is. And meanwhile, like half of them, I'd be going into, it and then you hear ah. That's what babies do, man? They mess oh your they gosh, mess your whole life was, up. I was. It was crazy. So I, I don't think I'll ever forget the night Bo Ryan retired just because it got ridiculous. And plus, on a side note, it's like 65 degrees on the East Coast in December. And so my house, like, I'm not turning on the AC. We don't need the heat on. So this is all happening. I'm, like, sweating. I'm, like, drenched. It's brutal. Just a crazy, crazy night. As for Bo, listen, there are a lot of things that I think we should touch on on this podcast. One, a lot of people are really really anxious eager and giddy to call this guy a quitter i think we should address that aspect to him retiring because this is his worst team that he's had at wisconsin and for him to leave mid-season obviously people are 
are throwing a lot of shade at Bo Ryan's way. None of the media members I, I've I've seen and heard plenty about how no one's really killing Bo for this. And I, we can get into his legacy and his stats and whatever. But I'll set it up like this, basically. I Ryan definitely does deserve some criticism, I think, in a couple of ways here. But I'm not eager to do that just yet because, you know, I was in contact with someone who is connected to the program. And I said, you know, wow, wow, you know, kind of crazy. I hope his health is okay. And the response I got back was, he's dot, 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 all right. So... It's an interesting situation because, you know, it's his health. Like, he has every right to his own privacy in that regard. But the more that he refrains from letting us know about certain aspects of it, the more the public opinion might just push back on him to a certain degree. The same way it did, obviously, a couple months back when Steve Spurrier, who just flat out admitted it was a different situation that Spurrier was like, uh... I woke up and I realized I don't have the passion, want, or wherewithal to do this job anymore. So I'm just gonna, I'm gonna be fair to the team and step away. With Bo, it's clearly not the same. I think he is deserving of some criticism, but there also is the element that, um, you know, Guard and his father, and his father died, and his father had cancer, and Bo kind of wanted to retire in May, and he got pushed off of that. I think that's a legitimate aspect to it as well. But I, I think maybe there could be some other personal factors playing here as well that we might not be fully aware of so while criticism i think is warranted in some degree i think we should be a little careful at throwing too many barbs bow's way sam should bill ryan be criticized for walking out uh, on december 15th at the end of essentially the first semester of the season he deserve i mean let's also press this in what matt said i mean if he's not healthy um then that totally complicates matters and that should uh be mentioned at least whenever i say this i mean i think he deserves a little bit of criticism for walking out i mean it's uh not great it it doesn't seem like the players were necessarily in on this decision right Uh, Mm -hmm. like from you know even last week it seems like he went in and told them last night right yeah no they they, listen um because like i was here's here's where i was when bo ryan the whole bo ryan thing went down i was in my car uh, I got out yep. of my car and it was like I was driving back from UCLA because I went to the UCLA Louisiana Lafayette game last night and I was in my car and then I get home and I see just a train wreck like the video. Had you were been out of posted. pocket for like 40 minutes. I, I was like, my God, where's Sam right now? I knew you were driving back. But yeah, Listen, yeah here's the deal. People didn't know this was coming. Like our buddy Jeff Goodman uh, tweeted this morning. Uh, Bo Ryan retired last night. No surprise. Like, what are you talking about? No surprise. He, 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 like, like, first off, if it's not surprising, show me the tweet at any point over the past month where you suggested Bo Ryan might retire midseason. It doesn't exist. Secondly, anytime anybody retires at 11 o'clock on a Tuesday night, that, that is a surprise by definition, right? Mm -hmm. I mean, the way it usually goes is you, like Steve Spurrier, they called a press conference in the middle of the afternoon and he announced his retirement. Um, like when you retire after a win over Texas, when you are a Hall of Fame level coach who retires after a, a Tuesday night win over Texas A&M Corpus Christi at like close to midnight Eastern finals week. I mean, it was what are you talking about? It's, it's clearly a surprise. And I think I think a lot of people, former players, um, former assistants, friends were caught off guard by this. Yeah. Um, so here's, here's okay, what I'll so, say about the question that you asked me. Uh, as far as this, I think that it's a little bit different than the Spurrier situation because it kind of seems like he wanted to go this off season, right? Like he releases that statement, like, Hey, like I'm going to do, like, I'm going to coach this year. And then that's probably going to be it. 
basically. And I didn't really believe it would be it at the time, but apparently I was just so far off on that. Um, and, you know, you heard all of the things around the program saying like, yeah, he's, you know, he might not want to be there, you know, uh, just coming into the season. I never in a million years expected him to leave. But at the same time, like if, if his heart's not really in it necessarily at this point, I don't know that I'm going to, you know, kill Bo Ryan for doing this. I'll think I'll say that, you know, he should have done it probably in a more professional and better manner uh, and not just like kind of blindsided his team with this. I think that he deserves some criticism there. But, you know, if his heart's not totally in it, then I'm fine with just saying like, hey, you know, uh, that's fine. You know, you shouldn't. You should, uh, you know, probably go and hand it off to Greg Gard and uh, see where the program can go from here. Harris, let me set you up with two quickies here. One, okay, people are definitely of the belief, a lot of people are, that if Wisconsin was a top 25 team, this wouldn't be the situation. So if Wisconsin was 10-2 and right now, do you think that Bo Ryan would still be the coach? And also, regarding the criticism with Ryan, you had a tweet that last night that was like, I can't deny this is kind of funny to watch Barry Alvarez <laughs> sit there and kind of have to take this from Bo Ryan because, and I'll let you vamp on this, but there definitely is an interesting dynamic there because Bo Ryan, it, without a doubt, is a guy that um, when he's in a room feels like he's one of the smartest guys in the room. Uh, and I wouldn't even say that's necessarily to his uh, detriment whatsoever. Alvarez is exactly the same way. Without a doubt, he's one of the, He's one of the most dogmatic um, athletic directors out there. So I say all that to set you up with this, GP, is what Bo Ryan did here, which was clearly a power play to go around Alvarez to stick up for his friend. I've seen a lot of people praise Bo Ryan for this move to ensure that Greg Gard, who's been his assistant for more than two decades, gets a shot. I actually don't even know where I necessarily stand with that. Um that, you know, okay, he's so loyal to his buddy, and he, he did it this way to make sure that guard got the, the look that he thinks he deserves. In some ways, I think it's a, a kind of an, a really great move. In other ways, I'm thinking, you know, that's also not the most professional thing to do. Right. Here's I, I got a lot of thoughts on this. Um, I, I think it's a completely fair and reasonable question um, to ask if they were 10-2 and two right now, would he have done this? Like, it is, it, I don't think he's purely motivated by – bailing on a season gone wrong i think spurrier was mostly motivated by that um like if, if i there's not a doubt in my mind if spurrier would have had a top five team off to a great start he ain't walking away right before a vanderbilt game or whatever it was um i, I think he realized that my team stinks and we're not going to get better and uh, then i'm not coming back next year no matter what so what's the point point? and spurrier bailed i think Spur- spurrier bailed strictly uh because the season a season that he hoped would be a get it back on track season was undeniably not going to be that. It wasn't that, and there was no evidence that it was going to get turned that direction. And so you're walking at the end of the year. Let's just walk right now. You know, Spurrier wasn't trying to set up his successor. He wasn't trying to uh, get his buddy the head coaching job or force it on anybody. He just walked. Uh, you know, and and like a, a, a larger um, in a larger sense, I would say this: I don't even mind that. Like when you decide you don't want to do the job anymore. Like, what's wrong with not doing the job anymore? Um, you know, if we if we if we want to like coaches get fired all the time midseason, players transfer midseason. So like, why are I've, this is my my go to on on uh, all these sorts of issues? 
if it's okay in, for one set of people, why is it not okay for the other? Why don't why do we hold coaches to standards we don't hold other people to? If a player transfers midseason, it's like, hey, you know, he wanted to go. What are you going to do? If a school wants to fire a coach midseason, it's like, hey, they want to get a jump start on whatever. Well, if a coach wants to leave midseason, like, I, it doesn't bother me. I'm never offended by it. But I do think the Spurrier situation and the Ryan situation are, are vastly different because I, I think Bo's trying to make a power play here and Spurrier just wanted to go play golf and not okay, lose so it's the football power play ethically wrong here's what i would say i get both sides of this i know i'm supposed to be on one side or the other i i can understand barry alvarez's perspective here and i can understand bo ryan's perspective here uh first bo wanted to name a successor i i imagine he thinks that everything he's done for that school everything he's meant for that school and the way greg has stood beside him and been a, a very important part to the success of that program that he believes greg deserves a shot to be the, the 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 next head coach at Wisconsin. I think he believes Greg will be good, and I think he believes Greg deserves it. So uh, publicly stating that, you know, this past offseason, um, I think in Bo's mind, he probably just thought that the conversation would be pretty simple. Like, hey, I'm going to coach one more season, then I'm going to get out of here. Um, by then, Greg's personal life, you know, specifically the awful and tragic situation with his father, will be um, – not behind him. I don't think that kind of thing ever gets behind you, but you know what I mean. You won't be in the middle of it anymore. Um, and, and then, uh, it'll be a seamless transition and I'll retire and I'll come to the games and sit on the front row and watch my, uh, protege lead this program to great times. And, and the issue of course, is that Barry Alvarez wasn't going for that. And so if you're Bo Ryan, are you pissed? Like I'm Bo Ryan, everything. I've been to back-to-back final uh, fours. I've been to 14 straight NCAA tournaments. And and I'm I'm not allowed to have influence over who replaces me at Wisconsin. Get out of here! Like I so if you're Bo Ryan, you're pissed, right? I understand that. But what if you're Barry Ron, uh, Barry Alvarez? Here's here's where I actually can. I, I think this is an interesting conversation. Why is he obligated to let Bo Ryan do that if he doesn't think it's in the best interest of his athletic department? Like Barry Alvarez runs that athletic department for better or worse. I don't know if he's good at his job. There's a lot of evidence to such, suggest he might not be. Uh, some of which is that he keeps losing football coaches to comparable jobs, right? Why do those guys keep leaving Barry Alvarez? I think that's an interesting dynamic. But if, but for better or worse, Barry is, is the athletic director there. It's his job to do what's best, what he thinks is best for the athletic department. And if he thinks, you know what, I, 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 I want to make a run. At, I don't want to guarantee Greg Gard be, be Bo Ryan's successor. I want to make a run at Tony Bennett. I want to make a run at Archie Miller. I, I might really like Ben Jacobson. Like, if he thinks on some level he can make a run at somebody he thinks is clearly better for the job, why would he commit to Greg Gard? Like, I can understand that. Now, let me take you to the other side. Once Barry Alvarez d- digs his heels in and says, you know, like, uh, Greg will be considered, but I, I don't, I, I'm not going to promise him or you that he'll be the successor. Then, then Bo gets pissed, and that's when he starts talking about, I don't know if I never really said I'm going to retire, which is, was BS. Of course he did. And, and you know, I don't know when I'm going to – and then you get in the middle of the season where you force Barry Alvarez's hand. You say, listen, you might not give Greg Gard the job at, you know, full-time, but he's going to coach this Big Ten schedule, and maybe he'll do enough to impress you. Maybe he'll do so much you can't possibly not give him the job full-time. A little bit like uh, Clay Helton at USC. Like mm. if, if Clay Helton isn't the interim coach at USC – he never gets the head coaching job at USC. Mm-hmm. He only got that because he did enough when he was in that chair the remainder of the season uh, to prove himself worthy in his athletic director's eyes. 
And so I think if you're Bo Ryan, you're hoping this goes similarly, right? Um, so I can understand why Bo did what he did. But here's the thing. I can also understand why Barry Alvarez might not want to commit to Greg Gard. Like, I, 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 listen, I like Greg. I, I think he'd be good. Um, but if you're Barry Alvarez and you think you can maybe make a run at Tony Bennett, wouldn't it be foolish to commit to Greg Gard? It absolutely would, in my opinion. And we just – you, it's too much of an unknown – and Bo Ryan definitely pulled a Jim Calhoun here. Uh, Calhoun got injured in a bike race and abruptly retired shortly before the start of the season three years back. And with that, the guy that Calhoun had been pushing for, like Ryan, for a long time, Kevin Ollie, was forced into an interim position. And then UConn ended up thriving under Ollie where, you know, the national championship came and all that stuff. To expect similar from, from Wisconsin, obviously, uh, would, be, would be a little silly. But it's, it's definitely a really intriguing situation overall um, because Wisconsin is a really good program now. And it's basically that because I'll, I'll, let's, let's be honest, it's, it's 10% of what Dick Bennett did. Like, Wisconsin was nothing before Dick Bennett got there, and then he, he had some success with them. But 90% of it's what Bo Ryan did over the past decade and a half. And it's also interesting just to see in in the wake of this retirement, you know, it's not like Bo was at – it feels like Bo was at Wisconsin for four decades. He wasn't. He wasn't even there at the turn of the century, okay? But what what he did, they never missed the tournament. Every freaking year he went there, top four in the Big Ten uh, every single season. So now the question becomes, okay, what is – what is Wisconsin as a program on a national level? You know, we always get into this discussion, and I always find it interesting. What, are you a top 20? What difference between the program and the job? Is Wisconsin a top 15 job in the country? I don't think that you can say that. Can it be a top 15 program? Well, maybe it's a fringe top 15 program with Bo, but honestly, without him, we don't know the answers to that. Barry Alvarez clearly believes that it can be, but that's also going to be indicative of the kind of coach that you can bring in. And it doesn't necessarily have to be Doni Bennett, in my opinion. Yes, he should be the number one target. I'm saying right now that that does not happen. I do not think Tony Bennett will leave a position where he has established his own identity and his own program at Virginia to the point where he's winning ACC regular season championships in the most stacked league in the country, top to bottom, in my opinion. For him to leave that, to follow Bo, I'm not saying it won't happen. We've definitely had situations where coaches have left one job for another that would seem lateral, and to me that's... That's a lateral move, and it, maybe you can even argue that it's a slight downgrade. Um, I don't think it'll happen, but my point is, just because you know they might not be able to get a Tony Bennett, it doesn't mean that Wisconsin isn't necessarily a top-20 program or can't be that if you get someone like Ben Jacobson. To me, Bryce Drew would be an amazing hire if that kind of situation presents itself at the end of the year, which I think that it might. So the situation Wisconsin has going forward over the next 12 weeks are is super interesting to me because it's a matter of, how will they do with guard? You've seen that they've been just just so average and bizarrely non-bow-like this season, right? So we have a baseline of expectation for what Wisconsin has been this year and what it could project to be. So if guard does enough to get an NCAA tournament berth, you know, will that be enough to, keep, to have him keep the job? I don't even necessarily know if you can say that. I think it's going to be super intriguing, and I don't know what candidates might be out there that Wisconsin will lure in. Gary Parish has seven names up there on the site right now, but um, yeah, here's what I would this say. thing has just turned college basketball. Here's, here's, I just, here's I, what I would say to all this. What, one, I think it's insane to uh, commit to anybody based on whether they do something 
this in over the next three months with the basketball team or not. Like if you're Barry Alvarez, and let me be very clear, Barry Alvarez might not have any idea what he's doing. Okay, like he just might be uh, completely um, uh, ignorant when it comes to like basketball and hiring a basketball coach. So I, I preface everything I'm saying with Barry Alvarez might not have any idea what's going on or what the right move to do. But to me, this is pretty simple. If you're Barry Alvarez, if you think you can hire somebody than, better than Greg Gard, you should. If you don't, you shouldn't. But it shouldn't be dictated by I was going to go after Tony Bennett and maybe could have got Tony Bennett. But Greg took this team to the round of 32. So we're going to go with Greg like that. That would be dumb. That's, I, well, I, but that's I that's agree. Stupid. But that's what happens sometimes. I know. And it's stupid every time, every single time. Like when I hear sometimes co- uh, uh, athletic directors, they don't say this, but it'll be sources close to the program. Athletic directors say, well, you know, so and so makes the NCAA tournament. He'll keep his job. But if not, we're going to fire him. OK, so like what happens if a kid breaks his foot? Does that is that you're so you're going to hit. OK, coach was on his way to the NCAA tournament. So you were going to keep him. Kid breaks his foot. So they missed the tournament. You now you're, you're, you're deciding whether to keep your coach or firing based on a broken foot? Like, what are you talking about? Like, you either think somebody's the right guy for the job or you don't. And that's a decision Barry Alvarez has got to make. And again, he might not make the right decision, but like, it sh- to, in my eyes, it should never hinge on what happens over the next three months. You either believe – now, it can, it can hinge on, wow, I didn't realize Greg Gard was this sharp, but he is. I want him. I didn't want him before, but I want him now. If that's what happens, but based on a certain number of wins or – uh, a, a, a certain finish in the Big Ten, that would be silly to, to, to decide the next, you know, three, four, five, six, seven years of your program based off something like that. Um, that would be uh, incredibly short-sighted. Let me ask you this. It's, okay, hold on real quick. It's right, a little yeah. bit scary that uh, we have to preface that, you know, Barry Alvarez might not know how good of a coach Greg Gard is. Like, if he was impressed by Greg Gard, uh, you know, like over the next three months, whenever Barry Alvarez has been the athletic director there for 11 years, and right. he doesn't have a good feel for Greg Gard yet, that would be pretty scary. That, no, listen, that, I agree completely. Uh, again, uh, he, I'm just saying I would never tie a, a, a permanent hire to, you know, if he, if, he, if he beats Minnesota on February 23rd. Right. You know, like that, I just think that's crazy. Here's what my question for you, Sam. Is pursuing Tony Bennett a massive waste of time? I Probably. I mean, he has a pretty big buyout. Uh, he, you, you know, if you're Wisconsin, I think Bo Ryan wasn't making a ton of money, right? Like, do you know that number off the top of your head? I want to say it was like 2.1. Yeah, like that, that's about what Tony Bennett's making now. I, I, so you're I, might, to, I, might, I might be making that up, I, 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 but... I think that's sounds... around what I thought it was, too, what I thought I read last night. So that's probably right around By the by, Sam, I'll let you continue. I'll interject here. I know that they've stepped up more in recent years, but until recently... Wisconsin had the lowest basketball budget in the league as well, and those things definitely matter to coaches. Sure. I don't think it's that anymore, and it's certainly not at the top, but, you know, just another factor. Yeah, so here's the thing. You're going to have to go out and, you know, by the time this whole thing gets done, because, you know, Tony will get an offer from Virginia probably at, like, because he's making a right around two right now as well. You'll probably get an offer from Virginia to get to, like, 2.7 or so. So you're talking about paying, like, 3 to $3.5 million for a basketball coach with one of the lowest budgets in the Big Ten for basketball. Um, plus the buyout on top of that, uh, I don't know how much that's going to work. Right. So it probably doesn't make a whole lot of sense. I mean, you should obviously offer them and, you know, see where that goes, but it's probably going to be a fruitless endeavor. Right. You know what? Listen, if you gunned ahead and I've got a a pick, Tony Bennett's going to be coaching Wisconsin this time next year or not. I would say no. 
right? Uh, uh, he's got it really rolling at, at Virginia, back-to-back ACC regular season Don't title. Don't they also have a top-10 recruiting class coming in. Right. they got a top-10 team right now and a top-10 recruiting class coming. Austin Nichols will be eligible next year. Like He's got it in a pretty good place. That said, you can never, ever, ever discount the power of home. And yep. that is the only reason this makes sense. Like, Matt, when you were talking earlier about, you know, it's a lateral move, clearly a lateral move, and perhaps um, a downgrade. But, like, it's home, and home matters to some people. I cannot tell you exactly how much it matters to Tony, um, but uh, I, I, people in all walks of life, in all types of careers, um, like, like, live in a, in a place they call home even if it doesn't make the best professional sense for them. Um, and so, like, how much is it, does it matter to him whether, because his parents still live in Wisconsin, all right? Does it matter to him? And I'm not saying it does. I'm just saying these are the types of things that actually do matter to some people. Does it matter to him uh, to have his kids grow up around their grandparents? Like, is that something that's important? Does he have a draw? Does he want to be around his father and mother in the latter years of their life? Does that matter to him? Mm-hmm. Um, you know, like, like personally speaking, there are a whole bunch of places better for me to live for my career than than where I live. Um, how, like, how much easier would my life be, and possibly like career uh, be, um, if I lived in New York? Like for four months out of the year, I have to fly from Memphis to Atlanta, Atlanta to New York, then New York back to Atlanta and Atlanta to Memphis every single week. Like that's a pain in the ass. Plus, it costs a lot of money for CBS. Like it would probably be beneficial for CBS for my career um, and and certainly for like travel time purposes to live in New York or to live anywhere with a major airport because the Memphis airport isn't that anymore. Like even if I could get direct flights, it would be beneficial. But I live where I live because I'm from here, because my wife's from here, because uh, her parents are here, my parents are here, my brother's here, her brothers are here. We like the idea of having family help, given how much I work. We like the idea of, of our children growing up around their grandparents. Like that's very important. It matters to us. And so um, I've made at least a decision partially rooted in where I live based on, um, you know, this is home. This is where I was raised, and this is where um, almost all of my family lives. And, I, I don't, again, I don't know if that matters to Tony Bennett, but if, if, it, if it did matter to him, he wouldn't be the first person to be influenced by the pull of home. And so that's the only reason. Um, and that's something Barry Alvarez, frankly, has to figure out. Like, and, and, and that's something you could figure out tomorrow. Frankly, you know, like, you know, you don't have to wait till Virginia season's over to figure that out. Like, that's something you can try to figure out like yesterday. Um, Hey, Tony, would you even be interested in this? You know, is this something I don't want to waste your time or mine, but does does home matter to you? Does does this does being the head coach at Wisconsin living back in Wisconsin? Does that matter to you? If it does, let's try to make it happen. If it doesn't, I understand. So. Uh, I guess to bottom line it, I think Tony Bennett's going to stay at Virginia. There's a whole bunch of basketball reasons to stay at Virginia. But I don't know if those things I've other things I'm referencing matter to him. And if they do matter to him, then certainly there's a scenario where he could stand up and say, um, you know what? I just want to go home. I just want to go to the state of Wisconsin. Uh, Bob Huggins made a decision somewhat rooted in this. You know, he was at Kansas State and had a top recruiting class getting ready to enroll, right? There was the Michael Beasley class, the Bill Walker class. Wasn't that that class? Yeah. Okay, and he just wanted to go home. 
Like he had an opportunity to go to West Virginia. He said, I want to go, I want to go home. And, uh, and, and like that was the pool. If it would have been another job similar to West Virginia, he'd never move it. He, w- he wouldn't have taken a, a, a West Virginia level job except it, except for West Virginia. And that's because he wanted to go home. And so um, I just think that's going to be an interesting dynamic to watch. And that's why if I were a Virginia fan, I wouldn't be completely dismissive of Wisconsin because you don't, you probably don't have a good sense for what matters and does not matter to Tony Bennett and his family. And I'll say regarding Wisconsin and its fan base and who's going to come. Uh, I think the coach that winds up there next season will you'll end up feeling generally pretty good about it because it'll either be guard and if it's guard you know it's Bo's guy he'll have had enough success this season to kind of validate going with him going forward if it's the absolute home run hire and Tony Bennett that goes without saying but to me there are enough really solid candidates out there that even if it's not the ideal first pick or second pick if it's the three or four guy you're still going to get someone talented enough, whether it be a Ben Jacobson, mm-hmm. a Bryce Drew, or, or whatever. To, to me, there is a very good crop of established, current, sitting head coaches around college basketball that Wisconsin is going to lure in a guy. I just, I, To me, this seems uh, fail-proof in terms of having a bust of a hire for Wisconsin. I agree with that, here's, and here's why. You, you, like, listen, perfect world, you get Tony Bennett. That's awesome, right? Like, that's awesome. Um, okay, Tony decides he ain't leaving Virginia in top 10 recruiting class, top 10 team, all that stuff, fine. Um, then you can, you, you can hire Greg Gard. Like, maybe that makes sense. Uh, perhaps you turn to Ben Jacobson. Like, Ben's great. I think most people think Ben's really, really good. Uh, the one that's interesting, and I, I have a list of seven candidates over at CBSSports.com right now, Wayne Tinkle. That's the really – that's the one I wanted to bring up. That's a really born, good one. Okay, born in Milwaukee, um, took Montana to three NCAA tournaments, um, he's doing good things at Oregon State. Here's the key, though. Like, not the key, but the the other thing that should be considered. Little Tinkle is really good, and Little Thompson, who's his assistant son, is really good. We really can't call him Little Tinkle, by the way. <laughs> little yes, we can, and yes, we will. <laughs> I did, did I just nickname him Little, little Tinkle? Right. So you get you get you hire Wayne Tinkle. He brings his staff. You get Little Tinkle, Little Thompson, and the rebuild is like you know, like you got two, you know, you got two kids. You're ready to go. You know, like those are, those are two good players, young players. Yeah, Little Tinkle, Little Tinkle. <laughs> like yeah, that, like I agree though. That's a really interesting idea. I think that that would. I mean, assuming that Tony Bennett would turn that down, that might be the next place I turn, even over Ben Jacobson, who I think is an awesome, awesome coach who's incredibly underrated around the country. Uh, that's a really just a home run to me if he can bring along all of that. Right. No, it, it makes sense. So, um, yeah, it, it, this will be one of the more interesting hires to see um, if they're successful trying to lure Tony Bennett, to see if Greg can do enough to convince uh, Barry Alvarez he's he's worthy of the job on a full-time basis. And if – uh, the answer to both of those is no and no, uh, then where do they turn after that? Is it Wayne Tinkle? Is it Ben Jacobs? And is it Bryce Drew? But again, I know that um, uh, just to bottom line it, put a period on this and we'll move on. Um, I get why if I were Bo Ryan, I'd be pissed that Barry Alvarez wouldn't go, Barry Alvarez wouldn't go along with my plan. But if I'm Barry Alvarez, you know, as much as I like Greg, I'm not sure I would go along with that plan either. Like, you know, uh, once upon a time, you know, you, you hire who Eddie Sutton wants you to hire to replace him just because it's Eddie Sutton. You know, it's Eddie Sutton court. If Eddie wants his kid to be the coach, then Eddie, then, then Sean's going to be the coach. Same thing at, uh, at Texas Tech, right? Bob Knight walks away midseason. You're forced, not forced, but, um, 
you feel compelled for whatever reason to hire Pat Knight. Didn't work. Like this whole let the coach name a successor thing, it ain't mm-hmm. foolproof, you know. Right. And it has it has been a colossal failure in multiple places. And if you're Barry Alvarez and you, A, don't believe that guard's the best candidate you could hire, or B, that you could actually make a run at Tony Bennett, I don't blame him at, as much as I like Bo and as, and as much as I would be furious if I were Bo. I don't blame Barry Alvarez at all. Um, if if you know for not committing to Greg um, on Bo Ryan's time uh, timetable, it it actually makes sense to me. Um, hey Sam, UCLA screwed up my drunk bet last night. By the way, two rotation players out. How did you let that happen? Yeah, I don't know. I don't know what I can do. That was a surprise to UCLA too. By the way, that Thomas Walsh was going to be out. They prepped all week for uh, for Sean Long and Louisiana Lafayette. Uh, with Thomas Welsh, Thomas Welsh in the lineup and, you know, Welsh probably guarding Long for a good amount of the time. Uh, and then Sean Long went off for 26 and 16 uh, against Tony Parker and a pretty, uh, pretty uh, weak front line beyond Parker. So that was fun. Yeah, that was a fun but, game last night. But they have won five straight. They're ranked in the top 25. It does look like uh, Steve's got that headed in the right direction. And I will see them, as will Norlander, this weekend in Brooklyn. We will talk about that on a later uh, podcast. Yeah, I Meantime, see them enough, so I'm fine. Yeah, I know, right? You basically you need to explain there. how how you don't have Monmouth in your top twenty five right now. Why? Why? Like, I don't even know that I need to explain that. Do you want me to? But I will if you want me to. Can, really? Yeah, Mark? man. Can yeah, you explain for, the argument right, so for them over Valparaiso? I'll set it up like this. Okay, okay. No, I'll set it up like this. You let, let me, me set this up, Norlander. Okay, you set it up with three losses to unranked teams. They're fifty fourth in Kempom. What are you even talking about? Uh, I would counter that with that their wins. Listen, there's definitely a case not to rank them. Yeah, I just made but, it. But the case to rank them is if you if you stop the season right now, okay, and let's just live in a hypothetical world for the next couple of minutes and enjoy ourselves. If you stopped the season right now and created a, uh, an NCAA tournament field, there's basically no case against putting Monmouth anything below a five seed with what they've accomplished and the teams that they've beaten. The fact that they have two road wins against uh, Ken Palm top 50 teams. The only other team in the country that can claim that is Valparaiso. They've beaten four Ken Ken Palm top 40 teams. The only other team that can say that is Xavier. So the wins are impressive enough where, you know, they have a loss to USC, but guess what? They also beat USC. They only lost by three to Dayton. The Canisius loss obviously is the one that sticks out. It's not a great loss, but it did come on the road. I'm just saying... At this point in the season, it's not the most outlandish thing to strongly consider putting Monmouth around 24 or 25 in a poll. Um, given what they matter done. anymore? That's what I you, you sound like. You sound <laughs> like a fan of, of a team that's got bad losses. I get this. Like, Would you? Okay, so hold on. Would you? Do you but you, you'd rather weigh losses more heavily the fact that they, the, over the fact that they have a, an impressive collection of wins right now. It's not weighing them more I, heavily. It's weighing thank them you, equally. Thank you, Sam. Thank you, Sam. I weigh it all. I weigh it all. I weigh it I'm all. Not, I'm not saying that you're wrong. Like Monmouth, Monmouth would be an at-large team right now, no doubt. But okay, they so lost my, to the 168th ranked team in Ken Palm. Like Canisius my, is bad. My okay. So my 26th team right now is Gonzaga, right? So let's compare them to Gonzaga. Monmouth to Gonzaga. Uh, they're both seven and three. All right. So they got they played the same number of games. They got the same number of wins. Um, I actually agree. Monmouth has better wins, probably. I mean, Gonzaga's got a, a Connecticut win. There's no probably about it. They absolutely do. Okay, I agree with that. Okay, why, they got a Washington win. they got two top 100s, two top 85 wins. Uh, the losses are all inside the top 40. Texas A&M by a point on a neutral uh, to Arizona by five, to UCLA by five. That's three losses to three ranked teams. Whereas Monmouth's got uh, 
two losses to unranked teams. So it just comes to like, what do you want to focus on? I would on? argue, yes, okay. And By the way, I'm not like, you know, rank them, don't rank them, whatever. I just think I wanted to bring it up because I think it's an interesting topic. In my opinion— I do love that bench. I'll tell you that. That bench is amazing, without a doubt. Those dudes are bringing it, and like they're legit. We've you know we reached the point where it's not just the bench, uh, the team on the court. Like they're they're balling out. They freaking ran Georgetown off the court last night. It was yeah. outright. It's crazy impressive what they did against Georgetown and the Hoyas. Clearly aren't as good as we thought they were. But in my opinion, if you did not have Gonzaga, like if if you remove the the notion of preseason rankings and all that stuff, and Gonzaga had played the way it had played without the idea that they were a top ten preseason team, you probably wouldn't have Gonzaga ranked right now. Uh. I, I don't. I don't disagree with yeah, that. Yeah, I think that's fine. But Gonzaga's yeah. still without their, you know, maybe most important player. Two of those losses came without. Their so most valid. So hold player. on, GP. Who do you have? Like 24, 25, 20, 25 UCLA. Uh, twenty five is UCLA. Which I have no. I have no beef with that whatsoever because they've got, uh, you know, some really nice the wins. Really nice wins in there. Now they have lost to Monmouth. Let's remember that. I do remember um, that they did, but mm-hmm. they've got. Um, They've got uh, uh, a loss to Monmouth. They got a loss to Wake Forest. Wake Forest is not a terrific team. They're not. They're not bad by any means, but they're not. They're not great. Um, they got. So, a, they got a UNLV win. They got a Kentucky win. They got a Gonzaga win. I would say their wins are barely better than what Monmouth has right now. And if you consider that Monmouth beat them at UCLA, Monmouth has a case. Who's the other team in your top twenty-five? Twenty-four. I've got Connecticut. They're they're valid. Yeah, uh, I'll make the case for Connecticut. Here it is. Um, still don't have the wins that Monmouth has, without a doubt. No, they their do not. Losses are better. They've got yeah, they've got a Gonzaga loss. They've got a Maryland loss. Only loss to an unranked team is a Syracuse loss. Syracuse is still a top forty-five Ken Palm team. They got a Michigan win. I don't even know what that means anymore. And they, everybody has an Ohio State win. They're just one of like forty teams that's beaten Ohio State this year. <laughs> so, so are you, are you at least seeing a little bit of where I'm coming from? Oh uh, yeah, listen. Here's here, here's the way I'll put it for you. If on Monday, Monmouth is ranked. Or, and I know this will be the case, some AP voters have Monmouth on their ballots. I won't use the poll attacks to address that. I got no issue with it. I, I, I think I can make a reasonable argument not to rank Monmouth, but if you want to rank them, it's certainly fine with me and, and also reasonable. Is that fair? Yeah. It's, they're super intriguing and, and awesome and interesting team because as I wrote last night, which I thought this was going to be like the story for the next 24 hours until Bo Ryan just changed everything, they uh, we almost never – care about teams from one bid leagues until we get to march like almost never unless it's some super weird freaky story with like a player or something crazy right but monmouth ever since they went on that tear um in november and actually technically since they opened the season with the win over at ucla um they've made us pay attention and like last night going in to play georgetown the program was 0 and 30 all time against the big east you know that's a game that there people are going to be watching them because it was you know a very very slow night in college basketball to bow and bow um they come out and they look freaking terrific like it was i when i watched them i i, I didn't feel like oh wow yeah mama's really cool and cute and they're having a nice game no they looked legitimately like a top 25 team the way they played executed i mean they sliced up georgetown it was ridiculous it was that tape will be used by every scouting team that goes against georgetown the rest of the season it was fantastic the way that they did it so i just think it's cool that we got this random team from jersey sure. that plays in the mac um that is capturing everyone's attention and rightfully so now the bench is freaking awesome love those guys love they those bring guys. it they're creative and now you've got uh, a team that's that, that they're straight up ballers man they're, they're really really good oh hey listen i'm down with you i uh i i, I didn't want to uh, i don't want to imply that i'm out on monmouth i i love the team i love the bench 
I got no issue if you rank them. I just think you can reasonably leave them unranked as well. Real quick, let's get out of here, but, but not until after we do this. Um, everybody's hurt. Mill <laughs> Jefferson's hurt. Kennedy Meeks is hurt. Naz Long's hurt. Um, Naz is out for the year. Yeah. Um, uh, complications from a hip procedure. How big of a deal is that for Iowa State, Sam? Uh, that's a really big deal, I would say, because that's a team that was going seven deep before Naz Long got hurt. Uh, they are going to replace Naz Long with Deontay Burton, who is a little bit different of a player uh, than Naz Long, but should replace him in the rotation, should go back to being seven deep. Um, he's, it's, it's just hard for them right now because you were expecting that, you know, going, uh, forward into big 12 play, they were going to get that increased step. They were going to be able to, you know, maybe use their bench a little bit more right now. There are only 16 teams in college basketball out of 351 that use their bench less often than Iowa state does. Um, you look at what happens with Monty Morris, George Niang, Jamil McKay. You have to hope those guys don't get broken down by the end of the year at this point. Uh, maybe they do. Maybe they don't. Matt Thomas and Hallis Cook have both been pretty good off the bench. They're both shooting really well. They'll replace what Nas Long was bringing because honestly, Nas Long had been okay this year. Uh, you know, he's only shooting 29% from three. Uh, it seemed like the hip was really bothering him, but the fact that he was a warm body that uh, knew the system can't be overstated here. So uh, that's the biggest one right now, even over Kennedy Meeks, who's out for another week or so. Right. Uh, and, uh, Emil Jefferson, who's out for uh, an indefinite amount of time, sure, but it seems like he'll probably be back relatively uh, more soon, at least. So let me let me ask you this about Emil. Um, clearly, they need him. he's experienced. He's been on right. uh, he's been a rotation player in the national team. Do they get more talented without him? Well, what I think. What I think is happening right you now. You know what I mean, right? Playing, yeah, yeah, yeah. They're playing Ingram at the four. They're playing Kennard, uh, Allen, and the guards. Like, uh, is like kind of a smaller unit. I think that this injury kind of helps them develop uh, Brandon Ingram playing at the four. But where I think their best lineup is is just Emil playing the five with right. Brandon Ingram at the four. So, you know. They'd be better off with Emil, I would say. But if this lineup gets Ingram a lot more used to playing the four, it could be like kind of an addition by subtraction right now. Uh, not full term, not long term over the course of the season, but right now might help a little bit. Yeah, uh, we will see. Norlander, you ready to go? Uh, are you on babysitting duty again today? Man, yeah, there's, yeah, I, I am, but. Uh... But hey, listen. It, it, you sound so depressed and tired. No, I'm. 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 Last night, I didn't. Which is, I, I, I told you. you I, I didn't go to bed till like four a.m. last night. You're gonna go through depression and you're gonna be tired all the time. Here, yeah, well, listen. It's it's are. it's fine. It's fine. We actually uh, we had to go to the doctor today. He is he has lost weight, so we're we're gonna pump this kid full of formula over the next week and force him to. Uh, you got him on a no carb diet. Is he on Atkins already? He want he was talking about he wanted to go on that paleo and I'm like we're not doing that kid you're way too young for that so Never so we just uh, we gotta just get him get him up to weight and uh, and get that but no oh, oh, yes I am on some babysitting duty but you know whatever I cannot wait to see you on Saturday GP and finally get to a game this year fortunately I'm able to get out we can go enjoy the CBS Sports Classic and hopefully get a a decent back to back game. We will be there. Uh, that'll be Saturday um, on CBS, of course. It is uh, UCLA, North Carolina, and uh, Kentucky, Ohio uh, State. So it, it's at Barclays Center in Brooklyn. You've been to Barclays a million times, haven't you? Yeah. Have you not been there yet? No, I've been there. Yeah, yeah. I like it. 
It's a good. Oh yeah, it's it's definitely a good spot. Um, what time is the first game? I don't know. It's I'll worry about that. I'll worry about that on Saturday, Norlander. You think I'm maybe we'll get? Well, I'm getting it. Maybe we'll you know we'll write on it and maybe we'll get a dinner after. Would you like to go to dinner with me in Brooklyn on Saturday night? I think that would be terrific. I'll take you to dinner on Saturday night in Brooklyn. And then you can take the leftovers home to your kid and, and uh, try to get him uh, try to get some weight on him. That's a terrific idea, but I'm full of terrific ideas. Remember, you can subscribe to the Ion College Basketball Podcast over at iTunes. The quickest way to get your hands on the latest episode. So go do that. Do that for real. And I'm going to talk to you again later on this week. Till then, take care.